we see that there's beautiful harmony and, and perfect relationship in the Trinity. And so that has always been the design and heart of God, was to commune with his creation. And it was broken. It was crushed. It was devastated. And God was hurt. But God continues to reach out and to redeem humanity. Even when we were unable to care about even being redeemed. You see, we were in a reprobate state, meaning we were messed up. Paul states it so beautifully, or so succinctly in Romans 1, and this this is quoted right from the word, we were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetedness, malice. We were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. We were gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful. Inventors of evil, rebellious toward our parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. We were lovers of ourselves, and we were so perverted that we were enemies with God. We were separated from him. There was a chasm of death that separated humanity from God. God was sad. But God had a plan. But God being true to himself, being the holder and the creator of truth, righteousness, and justice, It had to be the wages of sin is death. The demand of justice is the wrath of God. We see that so clearly as Paul writes in Romans 1. We were in enmity with God. We were enemies with God. And because of the justice nature of God, we were his enemies. Our very nature wanted to topple God from his position. Our human hearts were in constant mutiny, trying to overthrow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is the nature of the heart, the fallen heart without God. We want to be God. We want to be in control. We want to reign. And we put our hands in God's face. God all along is in love with his creation and wants a loving relationship with his creation. But death separated God and us. Justice and wrath had to be satisfied. 
The consequence of breaking the law is death. The wages of sin and rebellion is death. So this posed a cosmic problem. How does a God in his purity, how does a God who's holy, how does a God who's righteous, who is a, how is a God who's perfect commune with a people that are not? How does, how does holy and filth come together? How does a committed come in connection with an adulterer? We could never be trusted. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Death, the chasm that separated humanity from the divine. How can a living God, whose very nature is relationship, commune with those living in death? Whose hearts are open graves. As Drew pointed out last week, the only mechanism, the only thing that can overcome death is life. And like it says in Leviticus, life comes through the shedding of blood. So the only way that justice can be satisfied, it has to be the shedding of blood through a violent death sacrifice. Justice demands that there must be a death. So God in his love and God in his greatness, God in his mercy... He says, the goats and the lambs, they can't do it. Though it's a partial remedy, it had to be done every year. The lamb had to have been slain and and put on the altar, but that 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 was just for, but it had to be repeated. And so God says, I will become the sacrifice. God who longed for intimate relationship with humanity, out of his great love, he himself was satisfied the justice with love. Have you ever been loved so much that it hurts? You're like, I don't deserve it. Well, that's the amazing love that God has given humanity through Christ. This is the love story of all love stories. It's the sacred romance. The lover sacrificed himself for the unbelieving beloved. In order for there to be authentic relationship, there must be an authentic love that comes through the shedding of blood. Love so deep and wide and tall that it's willing to bleed and die for the captive. No greater love than one would have than to die for a friend. Let's pray. Redeemer, Savior, Lord. Father, accomplish through your word. Where you will have, O oh God, your people to hear, which you will have your people 
to be. Father, we pray by the power of your spirit that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive. Lord, we pray that you would anoint this word, that it might bring you much praise and much glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please turn with me to Romans 5, verses 1 through 10. And here we see Paul theologically tells us about this amazing God who loves us so much that he himself comes in that chasm. He himself conquers death so that we might live. Starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for College Hill Presbyterian Church, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely than Then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. God's word for the people of God. Paul so eloquently writes in this treatise the theological framework of God's love for us, a love that's so incredible, a love that's so amazing that God himself becomes the sacrifice in order to bridge the gap of death and life. What love, what grace. But it's all about relationship. It's all about communion with God. God, the creator, the holy God, wanting to be in love with his people and communion with his people. I want to share six relationships that are a gift from God. They're they're theologically uh, relationships that God did on the cross when Jesus died for us. These are powerful relationships that God initiated And that he's given to us. That first relationship is justification. Justification is a legal term. And it's just like a sinner who stands before God and he's accused or she's accused. But because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross, not guilty. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine 
Adolf Hitler in front of the judge. And the judge says, Hitler, you are responsible for the death of six million Jews. And the judge would say, you're also responsible for the death of homosexuals. You're also responsible for the death of so many others. And it was proven right. But if Hitler gave his heart to Jesus, do you want to hear something radical? He would be justified. He would be set free. He would be pronounced not guilty. Can you imagine it? He was guilty. We're guilty. But because of the love of God through Jesus Christ, we stand before God and we are called innocent. I don't know about you, but that's radical. Just think all the things you've done, all the things you're going to do, all the things we were birthed in, all the sin, you know, we were enemies with God, all of that that we deserve death, God says, I give you life. The next is substitution. Substitution is where the sinner stands before God. And the sinner is guilty, the sinner is contaminated, but all of that contamination is imputed to God. God takes it on himself. Jesus became sin so that we might be righteous. Don't y'all think that's crazy? How many of you will take the blame for a murderer? How many of you would take the blame for an adulterer? God did. God did. The perfect lamb took upon himself our sins, our filth. The next is redemption. This is where the sinner stands before God in chains and shackles. The person is a slave, yet God ransoms them. God pays the price to set us free. We have been redeemed so that we can have right relationship with him. I hope you're getting it. God is doing all these amazing things so that he can be in communion with us. The next is forgiveness. This is where the sinner stands before God as a debtor. And God says, your debt is gone. I wiped the slate clean. Your sins are forgiven. All that nasty stuff you did, all that nasty stuff you thought, all that nasty stuff that you looked at, forgiven. As if you've never done it. Such grace, such love. All because he wants to be with us, to commune with us. Number five, reconciliation. Reconciliation is all about relationship. It's all about being one with one another. The sinner stands before God as an enemy. And God calls you friend. 
I want you to think of something you, somebody you really don't like. Now call them friend. They didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't ask you to or do anything wonderful to, to earn your, 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 your friendship. But out of this like crazy love, you call them friend. And then lastly, sonship. The sinner stands before God as a stranger. And because of the grace and the mercy and the blood of Jesus, we become the friends of God. Church, this is reconciliation. This is being reconciled to God. Where God has the wrath, he has the justice, and we deserve it. We should have it. And God says, because of my son Jesus... You are free. You are forgiven. You can run and be with me forever and ever and ever. Isn't that good news? Isn't that fabulous news? That we can be in relationship with a God who's perfect and holy. Yet because of the blood, we have become righteous. I'm going to go back to the text because this, this just, the word justified is so important and, and there's benefits to being justified. Can you go back to the scripture to Romans 5? Therefore, since we are justified by faith, it's, it's, it's powerful to know that that justify is the past tense. And so it's not something that's going on continuously. It is already done. When Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed for us, we have been made right with God. There is nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can say. We don't have to go to Sunday school five times a week. We, we don't have to do all the manual things. Just because of Jesus, we have been legally set free. And it says that we have the peace with God. Peace with God. This isn't the peace of God. The peace of God is, 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 is when we're, we're, we're relaxed and, and we know everything's going to be okay. The peace with God is all about our position. It's all about our status. See, once we were enemies, now we have peace. No longer does God have his wrath toward us because of our sin, and no longer do we have our wrath toward God, but we have been set at peace all because of Jesus. Craziness. Next, the access to the grace of God. Justification opens the door to God's dealing with humanity on the basis of grace. We don't have to work at it, we don't have to strive. But because we've been justified, we have access to the grace of God. And the grace of God continues. We get the blessings of God. We get the communion of God. We get the gifts of God. Justification has given us the access to the grace of God. Number three, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. This word here in the Greek is also means rejoice. It's not that we boast in ourselves, but we get to boast in the work that Jesus did on the cross. Paul said in himself, he said, I will boast in the cross. 
What he's saying is, I can't boast of anything that I've done. I can't boast because I'm very religious. I can't boast because I've tried to keep the law. I can only boast in what God has done for me through the blood of Jesus. I was dead, but now I can live. And I'm happy about it. Sometimes boasting looks like raising our hands. Sometimes boasting may look like doing a twirl in church. Sometimes boasting may mean on your job you just saying, thank you, Lord, in the midst of something not going right. We get to boast because we will see our Lord face to face. Next, we boast in the sufferings. And this is the one that can be pretty hard. Because justification, you know, we've been set right with God. And, you know, and some of the health and wealth folks would tell us, you know, when you uh, have been set right with Jesus, that you will no longer get sick, that you'll no longer have to suffer. But here Paul has the audacity to say that you will have the gift to suffer. When you have been made right with God, you will get to suffer. Yay! Hallelujah! What is Paul talking about? Paul is saying that God will be glorified through our suffering. Paul is saying in the economy of God that he works out all things for good. Paul is saying in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your stress, Jesus is with you. We don't have to boast that we are sick, but we boast that God is with us in the sickness. If anyone has gone through any suffering... Allow Jesus to suffer with you. He is the suffering servant. And Paul says that we can boast in our sufferings. Justification gives us the peace with God, the access to the grace of God. We can boast in the hope of the glory of God. And we can boast in our sufferings. This is the power of being made right with God. That the chasm, chasm of death has been crossed through the cross. And we can be with him forever. I don't know where you are today. I know many of us have already received the atonement of God, we've already received the justification of God, we've already received the healing, the forgiveness of God. But there may be someone here today, you're trying to meet God on your own terms. There may be somebody here, you're trying to get to God on your own strength, and all you're doing is just peeling dust. But God is chasing after you. 
God is running after you today. And he wants to say to you, you don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to work anymore. You don't have to, to, to be depressed because and, 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 you can't reach up to God. God says, I've been reaching down for you. I love you so much that I died for you. I love you so much that I left my throne in glory to be with you. In the midst of your suffering, God says, I will be with you. He loves us that much. That he would take a crook, an adulterer, a murderer, a molester, you name them. He loves us so much that he would take that on himself so that we might have a relationship with him for all eternity. All of us can have that. Just accepting what he's done for us by faith. He wants to reconcile us today. There's four aspects of reconciliation. There's the plan of reconciliation. The plan of God is to reconcile all things to himself. That is the master plan of God, to reconcile all things, all creation back to himself. The next is the means of reconciliation, the cross. The cross, the blood, is the means by which we are reconciled to God. The aim of reconciliation is to present us holy so that we can be made righteous in his sight to be with him forever. And the evidence of reconciliation is the seal of the Holy Spirit. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we have been reconciled. God has paid the great price so that we might be with him forever. He has crossed the chasm of death so that we might have life with him for all eternity. Will we walk in reconciliation? Will we receive the reconciliation which God has paid the price for us so that we might live forever? He's coming after us because he loves us. No matter, what he, no matter what we've done, he'll love us forever. And to show you how powerful his love for us, you saw in the first clip, the man was so proud of, of his wife. And he catches her in adultery. But let me show you the rest of the story.
through the blood of Jesus. We are invited to the great marriage. Through the blood of Jesus. Though we were adulterers, murderers, liars, thieves. He beckons us to be with him forever. Ah, because of the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wondrous work that you have done on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that you have reconciled us while we were yet sinners. You died for us. You bled for us. Lord, you were savagely beaten on our behalf so that we might live with you. Father, thank you. Thank you that you paid the price. Thank you that you have crossed the chasm of death with life from your blood. So, Father, we will live in a reconciled life. No more striving, no more working, no more doing to gain our, our access to you, God. You have given us access to the cross. And in that we rejoice. Father, we just continue to lift up Bob Spillman at Mercy West. Father, continue, Lord, to be with him. Bring healing and restoration to his body. Father, we give you celebration and thanks and praise for the birth of Isaiah, the little one from Leon and Ashley Terry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for new life. Thank you for health of mom and baby. Bless you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness for Sandy Gosling from being released. Father, we thank you for Tim Newman for being released. Continue, Lord, to bring healing to them. Let them know, God, that you'll never leave them or, or forsake or leave them, God. Father, we pray a special prayer for Mary Claire. We pray for her family and the loss of her dad. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. But be with them, God. Give them comfort in their times of tears. Wrap your loving arms around them, God. And let them know that you have conquered death once and for all. Father, we pray for Tom Chaporas. We pray for Nick Yaws. Good to see him. Father, we pray for Ann Clippard. We pray for Marcia Blank. Father, there's so many, God, and you know the names. Bring healing. We offer these prayers to you. In the righteous name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.